Again, that's Daniel chapter 6, verses 1 through 11. As we talk about our habits, we're going to look at some of Daniel's habits. We're going to talk about some of our habits. And we're going to talk about you know, what we can do um, to, more, to have, better, have better habits. Okay, So our habits, in Daniel chapter 6, verses 1 through 11, reads like this. It says, It pleased Darius, if you remember from last week, Darius the Mede was the one that came in and took over after Belshazzar. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps, which is basically rulers or governor, rulers, governors, princes, um, to be over the whole kingdom and over these three governors. So it's kind of a tiered idea of government. It says, of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give account to them so that the king would suffer no loss. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm, so the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. Then these men said, We shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. So these governors and satraps thronged before the king and said thus to him, King Darius, live forever. All the governors of the kingdom, the administrators and satraps, the counselors and advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. Therefore, King Darius signed the written decree. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home, and in his upper room, with his windows open towards Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day, and prayed, and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. Then these men assembled, and found Daniel praying, and making supplication before his God. So this is Daniel 6, verses 1 through 11. Amen. So a little uh, more... Uh, understanding of what this scripture what goes with this scripture this is the book of, of daniel or the story of daniel and the lion's den right we see here that basic darius comes bring and brings a different form of government different style a little bit he kind of hands out some responsibilities to the 120 princes or the satraps and then he puts three governors over each uh, over these people you know to kind of oversee the main parts of the government and then anything else they would have to they would take to darius but that way he wasn't having to make decisions on every little bitty thing he kind of put out the responsibilities, you know. Sounds like good leadership principles and whatnot. But basically what happens is after a certain amount of time of doing this, that Daniel kind of sets himself apart. It goes back to what we talked about the first week. He, he put his best foot forward. He he served the best he could. He did his best job so that he would make he, he added value to Darius' kingdom. And Darius saw that value and said, hey, I'm going to elevate you. I'm going to give you a, a larger portion of uh, the responsibility, and you're going to have more of an uh, influence on what I think and what's going on and what laws and decrees are put into place. You're going you're gonna to have a big influence. And these other guys, they didn't like that. Because no doubt each one of them aspired to have that role, to have that position, to, to be able to have that authority and that influence in the king's ear. And here this Daniel guy was that wasn't even one of them. He was just a slave from a from Jerusalem. Basically, he was secondhand. He went to the Babylonians, the Chaldeans, and now he's passed on to the Medes and the Persians. And it's like, why is this guy getting all this authority, all this position? They didn't like that. And... Uh, and they go and they begin to scheme and to make a plan. They said, no, we can't find anything on him. He's clean. Basically, we're going to have to make a law that is basically perfectly fit to hit Daniel right where he's at. And that he has to basically cave and uh, we'll get him. We'll get him. 
And we'll get up throwing the lion's den or den of lions. And we know what happens in the den of lions. Nobody comes out of the den of lions. So they do this. Daniel goes home. He prays. And they go because they know where it's going to be at. And they look at it. They find him. And they go back to Darius and say, oh, Darius, listen to this. You know that decree that you made that our laws say that you can't put, you can't take back, no backsies on this, Darius. Um, that Daniel that you like so much, he's he's praying to other people, to other gods. That not you. He's broken this decree, so so you must throw him in this down lines. And Darius was broken heart. He goes and he. I don't doubt it. it. Doesn't say it, but it says that he took some time, and I can I can basically see him asking other people, "Is there any way I can get around this? Is there anything I can? Because I don't want to do this to Daniel. They kind of tri- they got me in this situation. I don't know what to do now." And they came the next day, and they said, "Darius, you got to do this. You got to do this." So he does. He goes to Daniel, and he basically apologizes. Said, "Hey, man," but he he goes on and he says, "You're God. This God that you keep on talking about, that you keep whispering in my ear, that you keep just bringing up in conversation." Basically, if he's really who you say he is, you won't have to worry about this. And they throw him in. And that's, that's what happens. Um, and we don't get it, 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 you know, talked about in Scripture what happened in the, in the line, in the dim lines. It's not, you know, it's not spread out. We don't get a whole chapter on what Daniel did there. It's the next day. Basically, Darius tossed and, and turned in his bed all night long. He was worried. He was upset. He was. He just didn't like what was going on. He got up the next morning. He goes, has to move the stone away, and he calls out. And he says, he says, Daniel, has your has your God delivered you? Basically, and he says, King, King, live forever. He says, My God has done everything and abundantly more than I could ever dream of, and I'm still here. He sent an angel to shut the lion's mouth, and he's delivered me from their harm. No, no cause for alarm. No cause for concern. My God has done what's needed to be done. Says they delivered. They, they took Daniel up out of the pit. They took all those ones that had schemed against him and threw them in. Basically, the way I read it, before they'd even basically got comfortable on the ground, the lions had consumed them and broken their bones. And then, then Daniel or Darius sent out a decree to all the lands, saying, "This is God. This is the living God, the one that Daniel serves, the one that delivered him from the, 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 the den of lions. This is the living God." And it's all because we go back to the first uh, first sermon that we preached on this. He was there. He was present. He put his best foot forward, and Darius cared about him to the point that, hey, he, he was converted. We don't know if he was necessarily converted, but he began to believe in God on a level that no other pagan king or emperor ever ever did because Daniel was there and spoke to his life. But how did Daniel get to this point, right? And that's where we get to this idea of, of habits. So the dictionary gives this definition of of habits. A habit is an acquired behavior pattern regularly followed until it has become almost involuntary. Almost involuntary. We all have habits. Some good, some bad. Uh, some of you may have a habit of biting your fingernails, picking your nose. You gross people. I, I sometimes, I, I was known to pick my nose as a child, but you know, children do children's things. We try to grow up and move past those things. We have habits. Some of you get up every morning and you have a habit of drinking a pot of coffee or two pots of coffee or three pots of coffee just to get to it, right? You know, a habit that you have. Sometimes habits are in the insignificant parts of our life. It really doesn't matter. You know, it's just stuff that we, we do. You know, it's, we, think that we get up and we, we turn the coffee on before we even think to, th- thought about it, right? We hit that button, we go take a shower, and we're like, did I turn the coffee put on? Yeah, you did because you got a habit to and you didn't even realize it because you have to sleep. But you made sure you hit that button. Because you know what you're like when you don't have your coffee. So you hit that button. You made that habit where it's almost involuntary, right? You didn't even think about it. You hit that button. You start the coffee pot. You're going to drink your cup. So you've drunk a pot before you even realized it, right? Our habits. 
So some habits, you know, aren't really a part of significant part of our life. But some we have some habits that are integral to central, major portions of our life, right? How we interact with people, we have certain habits on what we, how we talk to our boss, how we talk to our spouse, how we talk to our children, how we interact with other people. We have major habits that really have a, a say so on our day-to-day lives. And that's what we find at Daniel. Daniel had habits as well. We see that in verse 10, right? So now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, we're going to come back to this first very often. We're going to hit different parts of it. But it says, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home and in his upper room with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom. We can switch out custom for habit, ritual, tendency. That's what it's meaning. As was his, his habit. It was his habit. And it was such so ingrained in him, and they did it all the time, and he, he didn't just hide it, he just did it, that even the leaders that didn't want him, didn't like him, knew about this habit that he had. They knew it. They said, we can't figure out anything on the books about him, but you know what? Doesn't he go pray every day? Yeah, I've seen him go pray every day. He goes and prays more, and he's more habitual with that than anything I've ever seen. Let's find a way to use that against him. They knew his habits. He was so regular and consistent with this action that they knew this is what we can do. It's almost involuntary to him. He'll probably kneel down and pray and not even realize it. We'll get him. They knew his habits. They knew his habits. Maybe there's something your spouse does. And they don't recognize it. But you recognize it. Maybe it was something that was cute at first. you know, And now it's not so cute. 20 years into your relationship, it's like they always do that. Why do they always answer the phone and say, hello? Why do they use terms that were popular back in the 80s and they've just been in a habit of that and they've never gone past it? I don't know, different things. But we all have, have habits, and this is Daniel with his, with his habit. So much so that everybody around him knew this is who Daniel is. This is what Daniel does. At certain points of the day, you can count on it. You can take it to the bank unless he is completely indisposed. If he is out of the country, maybe it will be a little bit different. But if he's anywhere close to his home, he's going up into that upper room. He's going to open those windows towards Jerusalem. He's going to pray. You know it. You clock it. You know it. Most of our habits in our life are mute. They're, they're, they don't, you know, sway. They go back, they don't go back and forth. They don't influence our life very much, like the coffee or, or you know, even biting nails or you know, scratching your, your head when you're trying to solve a problem. Those things they don't really have a consequence. But, but some habits are definitively good or definitively bad. If you have the habit to get angry every time you're questioned, that's kind of a bad habit. If you have a habit to start your day out with prayer, well, that's a that's a pretty good. Good habit. And I think if, we, if we're honest, and maybe this is a good thing for you to do at home, is to sit down one day, maybe by yourself and maybe with your spouse as well, or somebody that's close to you that knows you well, and just get you know a little, a little chart or put a, they, call, they told us fold the paper up hot dog style in school. And you can take one side and say good habits, one side and say bad habits, and, and really begin to look at your life and say what habits do I have that are good and what habits do I have that are, are not so good. You know, you can leave out the drinking coffee. You can leave out the, you know, biting on a pencil or stuff like that. But the, the really big habits in your life. And begin to think about how many good habits do I have and how many bad habits do I have. But here we see Daniel. He definitely had this one good habit of every day, three times a day, kneeling down at an open window facing Jerusalem, 
and praying and, and talking to God. But we also need to acknowledge and understand what our habits are. What are the habits that we recognize in our life? What are the habits that other people notice in our life? Hey, you've got a tendency to do this when this happens. You you have a tendency to kind of get a little frustrated in this situation, or you have a you, you really have a good tendency when, when you're when you're challenged, you listen, you 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 acknowledge things and you try to do better. Talk about those, understand those, because we need to understand ourselves. If we don't understand ourselves, guess what? The enemy knows you better than you know yourself. He does. He knows what you're good at. He knows what you're bad at. He knows all your habits. And just like these men knew Daniel's habits and knew and tried to figure out a plan to exploit them, the enemy, too, knows your habits. And each and every day is seeking to find a way to exploit them, to use them against you, to hurt you or to harm you, to harm your family, to harm your work life, to harm other parts of your life, your church, your family, whatever it may be, so that he can use those habits against you. And you might not have even known you had a habit to do this or to do that. But until you sit down and you know yourself, and then you can be better prepared for what the enemy has that he can throw against you. Okay, So we need to know and acknowledge your habits. So I challenge you to do that. We can get home or sometime this week, sit down and look at your habits, talk about them, go over them, look at what you do, recognize what you do during the week, talk to your spouse, talk to your coworkers. Do you see tendencies in my life? Do you see habits in my life that I don't recognize, good or bad? And the first thing we got to do if we want to have good habits is to acknowledge all of our habits and to do better in those areas. Because ultimately something happens. Something always happens, and that's when the pressure comes. Right? When the pressure comes. Understand this. When you are under pressure, you are more likely to revert back to what comes naturally to you. You do. I, I, read, a stu- I read a study, and this is what they came down to. When we are stressed, our brain activates the more emotional region of our brain. This region is known as the limbic system. Okay, there's different systems, but the limbic system. More uh, than our uh, other complex, higher brain centers, our limbic system is the seat of emotion and reaction. So when you're stressed, you you kind of sink into this place of emotion and reaction. When activated during stress, it overrides more rational parts of the brain and suppresses these things. Concentration, short-term memory, rational thought, and inhibition. Logic is simply unavailable in that moment, and reactions are based on raw motion, okay? So in other words, when the pressure comes, logic goes out the window. Your plans on doing better next time go out the window. What you were taught in Sunday school go out the window because the pressure comes, the limbic system switches on, and you're just thinking, basically it gets down to your fight or flight. And that's basically something that we all have, all creatures have, when we're attacked, when we feel pressure, when we feel under stress, when we feel endangered in some way, then we go into fight or flight. We either prepare to attack back or prepare to get, get out of dodge so that we can survive and save our lives. It, it gets down to that, that emotional reaction. And that's what we do. You might say, well, that's not scripture. That's not. This is the system that God made and sin has corrupted it and, and the devil uses it against us. So we might as well know it, right? So that we can fight our be- battles better. When you're under pressure, when you're under stress, when the attacks come... You will tend to go towards what comes more naturally, what comes easy. And what do we say about habits? Habits get to a point where they are almost involuntary. They become almost second nature. They become natural. It's muscle memory. So when you get attacked, what's going to happen? That habit. That habit of whatever's been ingrained within you, whatever's been developed within you, whatever habit that you have, it comes about. And one way that we deceive ourselves is when we say that when we have to, we'll do the right thing. When push comes to shove, we we won't slip back into our bad habits. 
We don't won't do the thing that we always have we always have problems doing. We always tend to slip into doing when the, when it gets down to it. When when my nose is, is to the grindstone. When things are getting hard. When it's getting difficult. When the pressure comes, I'll do better this time. I won't do what I've always done. But let's be honest. We tend to, when faced with struggles, when faced with hardship, when faced with problems, we do what comes easiest. And what comes easiest is what those things that we've always done those habits that we've always had and habits are hard to change habits are hard to get you to to break habits are hard to do differently but they are something that we need to recognize that hey so that we can prepare better that hey when i'm under pressure when i'm under stress when these kind of situations come up i fail i come short i revert back to this place that i know i shouldn't i do these things that i know i shouldn't these habits that i've already developed maybe from whatever age in your life they're going to be there they're going to be present in my life and I don't know what to to do with them. But just as it's always with bad, it is with good. That's what we see with Daniel. The pressure came in verse 10 again. It says, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he seized the decree. And listen, we've known from the book of Daniel, from what we've read from the first chapter, what we read in the fifth chapter, Daniel's a pretty smart guy. He probably had this peg that it was coming for a while now. He probably saw what they were doing. He saw them going meeting over in the corner and said, Daniel, we don't, we're, we're just talking. We're going we're gonna to surprise you, Daniel. we got a part, but we don't want to tell you what's going on. So you just go on, Daniel. King wants you. We'll just meet over here. Maybe the, the areas were summoned Daniel, and they'd all get upset, and they'd come around their little desk, and they'd be like, see, there he goes again. What are we going to do about that guy? What are we going to do about that guy? And Daniel had it pegged, though. He's a smart man, but here he sees it comes to fruition. He sees that. What he's been kind of expecting, what he's been kind of waiting on, they finally figured something out. They figured out, this is where they can try to get me. This is what they can try to do. The pressure finally comes. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, it was signed. It was there. It was in effect. It was legal. It was law. He went home. So he saw that the writing was signed, and the pressure came, and he went home. And what does it say after? It says he went home. And he curled up under his covers with a quart of ice cream. And he ate his sorrows away. And he hid from the world. No. He went home and got his big fluffy blanket. And he sat down on the couch and he turned on Netflix. And ignored everything else that was going on around him. No. He went home and he nervous cleaned for the next six hours. And still nitpicking on everything else. No. He went home. And in his upper room with his windows open towards Jerusalem. He knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks, not that it was new before his God, as it was his custom since early days. When the pressure came, his initial reaction was to what? Go and do what he'd always done. Go and do his habit again. So that's, that's, that's what it is. If your habit is to, when pressure comes, you go get upset, then guess what? Next time pressure comes, there's a good chance. You're going to go and get upset. If when the pressure comes, you always you, you get you want to go get a drink of, of something that you shouldn't, right? You want to go and wash it all away. Then guess what? The next time the pressure comes, you're going to want to go wash it all away. If the next time pressure comes, you just want to avoid it. You want to run away from it. You want to hide. You want to just quit your job. You want to just run away from your spouse. You just want to run away from your kids. Then guess what? The next time pressure comes, you'll have that same habit of wanting to do that. We'll do what it comes naturally and easiest to us in those times. Because we're not thinking logically. 
Yeah, we might know. It's not going to help me to run away from my marriage just because of this issue. I want to have issues with other people. But you're not thinking logically when the pressure comes. You're going to be like, yeah, when I sober up, it's still going to be bad. But you're not thinking logically when pressure comes. It doesn't help me to get aggravated and lash out back. It doesn't make anything better, but you're not thinking logically because the pressure's on and your limbic system's activated. And you're just wanting to fight. You're wanting to run. And you're just wanting to react because the pressure's on. Because the pressure's on. But if you create good habits and have created good habits like Daniel does, then when the pressure comes, he didn't run to Darius and complain. He didn't go to those guys and say, come on me, boys. If you got a problem with me, take it up with me. No, he just goes home. Goes to his upper room. Opens those windows like he always does. Gets down on his knees and prays and cries out to God. Guess what? It just said he gave thanks. You don't get the prayer. It doesn't even say, Lord, save me. It doesn't say, Lord, change the situation. He just got down and prayed and gave thanks. Because that was his habit. And there was comfort and there was strength in this habit. We like to be comfortable. That's the honest and truth. That's the reason that people don't want to change things sometimes. That's the reason people don't want to try things new. That's why people don't want to, to you know, push out of their, of their comfort zone, their little bubble. Because it, it doesn't feel good, it doesn't feel right. We don't like that feeling of being uncertain, of uncomfortable, of not knowing what comes next. So if we're going to be and do what is comfortable to us, what's comfortable to us ought to be what God wants for our lives and things that are, are good. Right? So when the pressure comes, how do you react? What do you do? How do you get through that situation? What do you, how do you, what's your initial desire, the drive that comes, the knee-jerk reaction, when pressure comes, when somebody says something, when something happens, when things go wrong, when bills come up, whatever it is, when the pressure comes, when the stress is on, what is, what comes most naturally to you? What's your initial reaction? What's the first thing that comes to mind? And we need to know that and acknowledge that. And through scripture and prayer and talking with God, understand, is that good for me or is that not good for me? Is that a healthy reaction or is that an unhealthy reaction? Is that a good habit or is that a a bad habit? Is it holy or unholy, right or wrong, good or sinful? And we need to know that. Because if every time that we get something happens, we're under stress, we go and sin... The devil's going to attack you every way just to get you stressed out, just to get you upset, just to get you mad, just to get you aggravated because he knows they'll sin. If I can just get them a little aggravated at work, they'll sin. If I can get them a little bit upset at their spouse, they said something crosswise and, and they didn't think logically, they didn't mean anything about it, but they weren't thinking logically, so what? They reacted. And they said something they shouldn't have said back. They did something they shouldn't have said back. They left. They ran away. They got upset. They did all these things that they aren't good for them, aren't healthy for them, that are sinful in nature. If I can just get them... I know what their habits are. And I know what they'll do. He knows the buttons to press to get you to that point. To put the pressure on. To stress you out. To attack you. To make you feel endangered. To make you feel upset. And he knows what your reactions are. But the thing is, and and I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful that when we have these habits and we recognize that, hey, these, these habits aren't good for me or I need to create some better habits, then we don't have to remain in that same place. Because guess what? Habits don't come from nowhere. Were you born with the habits that you have today? No. 
I don't think so. I mean, I don't think any of you have the habit of drooling and uh, just making a mess everywhere and spitting up on people. Uh, I don't think any of you have the habit of, you know, just uh, sleeping, you know, 24 hours a day and waking up and pooping and going back to bed. I don't think that's the habit you have. You, we grow, we mature, we change, you know. That's what happens. Habits always develop through a portion of time. Habits always come about after seasons. Habits usually start as one action that you do again. And then you do it again. And then you do it again. And then you do it again until it becomes habitual. It becomes a, a habit. Just doing something once is not a habit. You have a lot of people who went to church once and say, I have a habit of going to church. No, you don't. You went to church once. That's not a habit of going to church. You might say, well, I have a habit of exercise and going to the gym. No, you don't. You went and paid for your membership and you've not been back. You don't have a habit of going to the gym. You have a habit of paying to go to the gym and not going to the gym. That's the habit you have. Just doing something once or thinking about doing it does not create a habit. A habit comes after doing something again and again and again and again and again. I think there's a, a number. I think you have to at least do something seven times before it begins to become a habit, but it's still not a habit seven times. You have to do it for, for a long period of time, depending on how regularly you're doing it. If it's something you do every day, it gets a little bit easier than something you do every week or whatnot. But it takes a long time to create a habit. But you can create habits. Just like the habits you have now were created, new habits, habits can be created in your life again, right? But how do we do that? What, what happens? How do we get to this place where we create habits? I love, once again, verse 10. What does it say? It says that all this was as his custom since yesterday, since a couple weeks ago, since early days. Let's just put it this way. Daniel couldn't even remember how long he'd been doing it. Early days. That's how instilled and ingrained of a habit it was because it was his custom since early days. I, mean, I don't know if it started the first day he was taken into captivity. I don't know if it started before he was taken into captivity. I don't know if it started as a youth or what. We don't get that. But it was in his early days that he created this habit. Because guess what? If he'd just been doing it for a couple of days when the pressure came, there's a good chance he didn't go and pray. If he'd just been doing it for a couple weeks when the pressure came, there's a good chance he didn't go and pray. But because he'd done it for an extensive amount of time, he'd committed it to his life, the good days, the bad days, when he's tired, when he was when he was excited and things were going good, and when he was hungry, when things have been good at work, when, whatever the situation was, he made a habit, made a conscious decision, I'm going to do this today. I'm going to do this today. I'm going to do this today. I want to do it in the morning, middle of the day, evening, whatever, three times he did it today, how he broke that up. I want to do this again and again and again to the point that when it came time and the pressure was on, it was the second nature to him. But that just doesn't happen overnight. In another way of saying it, Luke 16, verse 10. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is just, unjust in what is least, he is unjust also in much. Layman's terms. He who has these habits when they're young, when things aren't as busy, will have those habits when they're a little bit older. He who's unjust and does bad things when they're young, when they get a little bit older, those habits continue to come back up again and again and again. 
And I love how Luke 16, verse 10, just describes that. We need to understand that whether it's good habits or bad habits, the habits you've established in previous seasons of life will remain in the future seasons of life unless you consciously work to alter them. So let's give examples. Okay? Maybe as a young kid, you just had a temper tantrum. You just had a reaction to, to get angry, to get upset, and then you, did, you had the same act, reaction as teenage years, young adult, and now here you are 30, 40 years old, there's a good chance that you still have some anger issues. But as a teenager, if you develop this idea of, I can be patient, I can be understanding, I can show mercy, then that's going to stretch into your young adulthood, and that's going to stretch into your middle ages, and it's going to go on and on because of what you've established, right? Maybe communication. Maybe you've grown up all your life. Maybe the family you raised in, they didn't communicate a lot. And then you just never liked to communicate what you were feeling or what you were going through or what you needed or whatnot. Got your teenage years, you just always stayed quiet. Young adult, you just always stayed quiet. And then you get older, you get married. Guess what? You're still going to struggle with your communication. It's not just going to come to you like that. How am I going to, how to communicate your emotions, what you're feeling, what you need, how, you know, how your day's going, communicating you love somebody, how you feel about them. That just doesn't come out of nowhere. It's an, a habit that's established early on. It can be established later on, but let's all be honest. Things that we try to do, learn later on, it's not impossible to teach an old dog new tricks, but it, it's a whole lot harder. Because guess what? You've got more on your plate. You've got more going on. You've got more things that are trying you and frustrating you and that want your time, that consume your efforts, that consume what you've got, your abilities, and it's harder to instill new habits the older we get. So as soon as we can, we recognize a habit that needs to be broken or a habit that needs to be instilled, we need to try to start that process of creating these habits. Maybe we go over to things of God, like Daniel, prayer. If you grew up and prayer wasn't a big part of your life, and guess what? When you become an adult, you're not going to value prayer as much as somebody that's just around prayer all the time. But you can instill the importance of prayer in your life by making the conscious decision, I'm going to pray today, and I want to pray the next day, and I want to pray the next day, and each and every day, starting it or ending it or whatever, putting prayer into your life. You can make that decision to create that habit. Too many people like to use the excuse sometimes, well, I wasn't raised this way. Or I wasn't taught that. Or as a youth, that wasn't important to me. There's things in my life that, that, I, 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 that, that are that way, that just weren't important to me. But as you grow older, if you see the importance of it, you can create those habits to put it in your life every day, every season, where it becomes involuntary, muscle memory, second nature to you to pray. Maybe it's to read the Bible. Maybe you didn't read the Bible growing up. Maybe you just don't like to read in general. I get that. You can find ways to create habits to consume Scripture. To do it today and the next day and the next day and the next day to create that habit. Coming to church or praying, worshiping, all these things are things that we can create habits of doing, but it has to start with us doing it once and making the decision to do it again and again and again and again. It's not going to happen overnight. Trust me. There's been times where I've done great with something for a couple of weeks. And then before I realized it, a couple months have passed, and I've not done it for a while because I wasn't intentional in creating that habit like Daniel was with his prayer life. It wasn't something that he's like, man, this is important. And he did it for a couple months, and he forgot about it, and he did it. This was something that he did from his early days, since his early days. So habits are something we all have, if you recognize them or not. If you intentionally put them in place or not, there's habits that we just do because it's something that we've always done. We don't know when we started it. We don't know, you know, what happened to make it a habit. But it's just something that we've always done now. 
there's something I don't know much yet. Every time, even when I get a bowl of cereal, a lot of times, when I bring it into my mouth, I'll catch myself sometimes. I'll blow on it. <laughs> you ever done that? You, you get the bowl of cereal. You know, I, I like Captain Crunch, right? You pile it up. You pour the milk on it. And then I get it. And I make sure the milk's all over it pretty good. I don't want it soggy, but I don't want it to be hard as a rock because, let's be honest, sometimes it's hard as a rock. And I get it, and I put it in my mouth, and, I, and then before I put it in my mouth, I'll... Because i got to cool that sucker down, right? I mean, that thing just came out of the oven. It's popping hot, but I want to eat my cereal. It's happens. It's things that we do. We don't know why we do it. It's just something that's been instilled in us that when you have a bowl and you're going to put it up to your mouth, oh, this is hot, you got to blow on it. We do it. It's silly. It's funny. But there's habits in a whole lot more important areas of our life that, that we need to recognize. We can't just overlook it. We just can't ignore it. We need to recognize this is good for me. This is bad for me. This is what God would want for my life. This is something he wouldn't want for my life. This is healthy for my family. This is unhealthy for my family. This is going to grow my relationship with my spouse. This is going to tear the relationship with my spouse apart. This is going to make me a better Christian. This is going to make me a worse Christian. This is going to help me get closer to God. This is going to get me farther away from God. Understand and recognize your habits and understand which box they go in. That's something that we've just... that that. You just, we haven't even started with Harper yet, but in a few years, that's going to be something that's very influ- influential to her development is to know this is a fruit, this is a vegetable, this is red, this is yellow. We too as adults should recognize this is a good habit for me, this is a bad habit for me, and recognize that we don't have to just accept that as final. You just don't have to say, well, I've always had anger issues, so I'm always going to have anger issues. I always reacted this way, I'm always going to react this way. I've always done this, so I'm always going to do this. No! That's saying that God can't change anything. That's saying that God can't help and work in your life. God can do great things. But we have to be conscientiously making the decision to do it differently. To not do what is wrong and to do what is right. Till we get to the point where doing what is good is second nature and doing what is wrong is so foreign that the idea of doing it just makes us sick inside. We have to come to that place of being in our habits. Or prayer just is second nature. And to think about not having a day where we talk to God just makes it, that hurts our heart. Where reading his Bible and scripture is something that we enjoy and that just we want to do every day, but where the idea of not reading his scripture for a week is something that, that we just don't think we can do. We have to develop these good habits, break those bad habits. You might say, well, man, that's something my family's dealt with all their life. My daddy did it, my granddaddy did it, and I do it. How can I break that? God. We can come to God with whatever it is that we struggle with. And sometimes it's going to take a long time. I'm not going to say it's going to happen overnight. That's something that the church sometimes presents, that if you just submit to God, that thing will be broken, those chains will be broken, that as soon as you do it. Some people are blessed, and that happens that way. And sometimes you have to make the decision day in and day out to forsake that part of your life. But we can do it through the grace and strength and power that God gives us. But you have to continue to make that decision to to get rid of of the wrong, to break those chains, to break those bad habits, and to do what is right in God's eyes. You might not have done it from an early age like Daniel, but you can start today and create a habit that when you're older, you can say, yeah, I've been doing that for a long time. I've been doing that for a long time. I've been praying every day before I go to bed for a long time. I've been reading my... Bible every day at breakfast for a long time. I've been making sure that when I get angry, I take a second to talk to God before I react for a long time. 
that you've created these habits and you've been doing them for a long time. And it's going to be difficult. And there's going to be seasons where you're still going to mess up and your failure is going to come short and you're going to slip back in those bad habits. But continue to make that decision to do the right thing, the good thing, to create those new good habits that God desires for us so that we can be better equipped than when the pressure comes. Because it's going to come. There's no doubt of that. That's not in question. It'll come. But that when the pressure comes, what comes naturally to us is what is pleasing to God. What I want you to understand and what I want you to take home is that we should seek to develop good spiritual habits and to break unhealthy habits so that we are better prepared to react to the stress and the pressure that will come, that we will come under in this world. I want that for our children. I want that for us adults. I want that for our seniors, for the retired ones. We never get to a point where we can't start doing something new and start doing something better. We never get to the point where we can't break an old habit, where we can't put away some old sin that we've been carrying around for a long time. We can do that through the grace and strength and power of God. Amen. And I'm thankful. I'm thankful that He just doesn't save us and say, take all your bad habits and deal with it. Here's your good habits. Those are great. This is just who you are. He says, no, I want to save you. And I'm, if you allow me to, that's a big part. If you allow me to, I will make you and I will mold you into the man or woman that I desire for you to be. But you have to make the decision to submit to that and to follow him and to be obedient like we talked about last week so that he can do that. So that he can do that. So that's the decision we have. To either submit to him and allow him to break the old habits and create new habits and us following him and doing that consistently or we can choose to just do what we've always done and just accept whatever consequences come from that. But you have to make that decision. You have to make that decision for yourself. You can encourage other people to make better decisions, but they have to make that decision for themselves. But we all have to make that decision for ourselves. And I pray that through this sermon, through through this scripture, and through looking at Daniel's life, that you are challenged to, to recognize what are the bad habits that I have, what are the good habits that I have, what's pleasing to God in my life, and what's unpleasing to God in my life. Knowing the difference, acknowledging the difference, and then doing something about it. Amen. Fostering and, and, and growing the ones that are good, building new ones that are good, and breaking those that are bad and unhealthy. Amen. That's the word that God has